episode four, Dental Plan. This is Max the Jerk Presents, where every week I discuss film and TV, past and present, to make pop culture help you a better fit at the workplace. Was it me, or did the crew of the Enterprise have the same sexual conduct as a car dealership? A used one. Like the condoms. Thank you for joining this week's edition of Max the Jerk Presents. I'm Max the Jerk, and on today's episode, we're talking dental plan. But first, let's do a recap of the past week's major movie and TV news. All right, we'll start with uh, DC news, and not much uh, has really changed uh, since last week. Of course, the big news was that uh, Ben Affleck uh, turned down from being the director on the proposed The Batman film, and that uh, Chris Terrio was undergoing a possibly a major rewrite on that script which could actually uh change the entire casting uh and the the, the originally uh speculated storylines so uh but the big news here is now that um they have a leading candidate so far as in talks is uh, director matt reeves who's uh his fame is uh some of the uh, planet of the apes films um so that just is, is still in early talks, and as for yeah, w- where the the script is headed, that still remains to be seen. And uh, I'll mention that um, on last week's episode, I briefly discussed how also with the Flash that and the Flash being a key character in that in the whole uh, universe, and uh, as he possesses the ability uh, as, as a plot device to reboot a. A whole cinematic universe with his own respective storyline and i finally had the chance to watch uh, flashpoint paradox and uh that is actually an exceptionally good uh, cartoon i might say uh animated feature rather and uh, but uh, that actually does go to show um if you do haven't seen it uh, do uh do so and i think you'll learn to appreciate why it's probably best that they can dc is hopefully and this is what some of the I guess some of the opinions being echoed out there is that maybe DC is going too fast and they just need to slow it down. And um, with like a character like the Flash and, of course, the massive universe and much beloved universe that is uh, the Batman universe, um, they can slow it down. But with the Flash ca- character, they can do a lot with that character. And um, so best that they uh, also focus on the rewrites and rewrite the whole storyline so that it can uh, overall be um, something that you can work with both in in the near term and the long switching over to marvel cinematic universe they dropped a trailer uh like a production trailer so similar to the justice league production trailer that came out last year uh, this one, however, relates to the Avengers uh, Infinity Wars that will be coming out uh, sometime next year. Uh, not really anything regarding actual footage, but uh, so this one just starts to show some of the beginning shots, behind the scenes footage. You get to see Tom Holland talking, and um, you know, he is British. You hear him as he normally sounds. And the other part would be they're showing Kevin Feige talk, and there's no doubt that uh, Marvel, obviously they're the they're the pace setters. Um, they've 
clearly executed well. They continue to execute well this whole uh, cinematic universe, comic book cinematic universe idea. It kind of comes off a little smug and cocky in my view if you watch this video, but uh, it's it's you know there's not much to it uh, except for the last five seconds, which you know the the constant um, criticism is just how long it's been dragging on to get to Thanos, and uh, you know this does though get. Um, it does get you excited, it revitalizes that energy and that excitement. Um, I mean, just the last five seconds. So there was actually uh, some additional just uh, news reports, or just comments being made about how Phase Three of the Marvel Cinematic Universe now is going to really push towards uh, more of the space universe uh, aspect. So uh, with the upcoming Captain Marvel, Thor Ragnarok, and Guardians. Of the Guardians of the Galaxy 2, we're going to see more of the space world and, of course, Thanos being in space. He'll get uh, really accelerated into the storyline for the upcoming Infinity Wars. Now, this uh, production trailer or sneak peek, one big point I thought that is revealed is that uh, Guardians of the Galaxy will eventually meet the Avengers as we lead into this war. So, I don't think that was entirely confirmed leading up to this. Um, I know that um, there's Something about how Thanos is not mentioned at all in the upcoming Guardians film. So eventually, though, everything goes tied together. In Star Trek news, um, this is the best part that uh, we have uh, now a bit more con- concrete uh, evidence that the, there's going to be some more Star Trek, some television programming. So last week, I, I talked uh, about two things. Uh, one was Discovery, so, uh, the new upcoming CBS All Access Online program. Um, for Star Trek Discovery. I also briefly mentioned Deep Space Nine. In fact, last week's episode uh, went a little bit of length uh, about Deep Space Nine and uh, episode two of Max the Jerk Presents was uh, about a specific episode of Deep Space Nine. Last week's episode, I mentioned how Ira Stephen Bear is working on a documentary for Deep Space Nine and we had some more news uh, this week. They are, they're almost done production of the documentary. And what's really cool about this documentary, it's, well, it has a name. It's called uh, What We Left Behind, looking back at Star Trek Deep Space Nine. What We Left Behind uh, is actually the uh, series finale episode. So you have a lot of cast notes. There's actually a very um, entertaining uh, pre-production footage. Uh, promotion for this documentary. They're actually doing some kind of um, online funding campaign. That kicked off this week as well because they need X amount of dollars to finish the documentary. Uh, but it'll have like the entire cast, interviews with all the cast. And the neat part is that they talk about how uh, they, they get together a, a writer's room of all some, uh, some of the uh, former writers for the program and you get to see them speculate how would an episode one, uh, if there was a season eight, had there been a season eight, because Deep Space Nine never got its own movie spinoff, unlike Next Generation, of course, uh, original Star Trek. It is actually a pretty all-inclusive story, an actual story arc, but uh, even in um, the, I guess, the non-canon novels, I've never actually read any of the Deep Space Nine novels, but they do actually... Uh, argue that they do kind of bring back a certain character without giving out any major spoilers here and, and in some ways this one book or one certain certain number of these books 
have have been argued by fans to be kind of like uh, a season eight. Nonetheless, the uh, the documentary is hopefully I'm I'm sure it'll hit its uh, financial target, uh, and uh, so look forward to that, and we'll keep you posted on uh, where that and when that comes out. The other bit of Star Trek news. Now, as excited as we are about Star Trek. This is one of the, the concerns of uh, the direction uh, where Star Trek has gone. So there's a leaked photo footage of Klingons. Klingons are actually one of the, I guess, the major characters in this Star Trek Discovery television program. The setting is like 10 years prior to the original Star Trek. Of course, you have Star Trek Enterprise that... Uh, you know that was the the start, the launch of the Federation. And of course, that's that was before everything, and that's the one with uh, Scott Bakula as, as Captain Archer. One thing that Star Trek Enterprise did a lot was it made all those references and showed the starting points of certain famous things that we we had been uh, exposed to or learned in all the other uh, Star Trek shows. So um, one would be uh, Doctor Yoon, uh, you know, Commander Lieutenant Commander Data's origins. And then, of course, there's uh, Section 31, which was introduced in uh, Deep Space Nine, but also uh, Klingons. They, uh, you know, it actually first got, uh, I guess, uh, comedically got addressed in the uh, Deep Space Nine of um, the trouble with uh, Tribbles. So I think it's a trial of tribulations. I can't recall the Deep Space Nine episode, but that's where... They, uh, I guess, the writers of Star Trek finally addressed the whole makeup aspect of, of Klingons. You know how they appeared in the original Star Trek, and then they made a very good joke, and then they they turned it into actual canon, if you will. And then Star Trek Enterprise kind of uh, worked that in, addressing it as some kind of a mutagenic or some kind of mutation. Uh, and I think it actually was part of a conspiracy, or, or rather, a um, an espionage type. Um, trying to get Klingons to uh, blend in with the Federation humanoids or something. And so going back to Star Trek Discovery, so uh, there's a set footage uh, being leaked and it shows a bunch of actors or, or stand-ins, whatever, all made up as Klingons. And so that's been revealed. So now that could be a hint of what these Klingons are going to look like. And, there, you know, there's, there's actually some concerns because they... They actually looked more like uh, Lou Gossett Jr.'s uh, alien uh, species or whatever in uh, the 80s film uh, Enemy Mine. Um, they didn't look... They, they didn't have hair. There are also some concerns uh, regarding how does this fit into the established timeline. Now, once again, I recall that in Star Trek Enterprise, I don't think it was all Klingons. It, it was, And even in the Deep Space Nine uh, episode... Uh, where they tried to create an explanation. I do recall that I think th- those Klingons were supposed to represent just a, a, a certain population. I don't think it, the idea of this mutation was um, all Klingons. You know, the continuity is starting to also um, become into question, but we'll, we'll have to see how it gets addressed in the show. As much as I like Star Trek, I don't want it, I want to succeed, but this first footage has some concerns over it. That's that, of course. Uh, now, but I guess the positive is, though, is nonetheless, yeah, the show's in production for sure. And sometime later this year, we'll get some sneak peeks going. All right, lastly, let's do some just uh, random movie news. But there's actually some big stuff here. 
I thought uh, was interesting. So there is a sequel for Pacific Rim that is going to come out next year. And it stars John Boyega. Um, Charlie Hunnaman is not involved. Uh, Guillermo del Toro is, I think he's a producer or something. He's, he's not directing it. But uh, yeah, so that movie is going to come out. It comes out February 23rd, 2018. The film is titled Pacific Rim Uprising stars John Boyega and he'll basically be portraying the son of Idris Elba's uh, character uh, Pentecost or whatever commander uh, Pentecost so he's the son so I guess a number of years have passed and then he rises to the occasion here's the question like you know is John Boyega a big enough star at this point his career is definitely on the rise and you got Star Wars 8 coming out in December so I think they're banking off of uh, some real momentum here from his uh, stardom and because uh, February is still one of those uh, questionable January, February is still questionable periods for uh, movies to come out. We'll just have to wait and see. Like, it doesn't have a big name list yet. I think the other names are Clint, e- not Clint Eastwood, excuse me, his son Scott Eastwood, who was in uh, Suicide Squad. But was, you saw that film, he was a bit of a kind of a minor supporting character. I enjoyed seeing him in there, but his character kind of phased out in, the, in that film, I found. But so it's not like a big cast, so I think they're really banking off of uh, both the concept of Pacific Rim and uh, as a star, I guess uh, John Boyega's uh, Star Wars ties, I think, will maybe help keep the momentum going on that thing. If you're a fan of Gerard Butler, um, he's got like a ton of movies coming out. I'm not going to name them, but... Yeah. And they're all action-themed, so I don't know who's watching his movies. The guy's career kind of... Ooh, hand out or I don't know he's still making movies and they're all action I know he's in that he was what gods of Egypt but which was like one of the worst movies apparently of last year and I'll say this the guy's gonna be doing movies and a lot of this stuff I think they're they're kind of creeping on to like b-film status but he's gonna be in a movie and what 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 they need to do is now I haven't uh, you know I haven't discussed the film uh, split yet uh, perhaps in a future episode but there's a big uh, kind of a spoiler, a hint of sorts to uh, a potential sequel. Uh, talks of uh, sequels for uh, one of other one of M Night Shyamalan's other movies and so forth. So that got me thinking. You know what? Another uh, favorite of mine is um, the film is a uh, Deep Rising, uh, directed by Steve Sommers, and uh, you know I started star treat williams and famke jansen and the movie ends like on this it's really good i guess uh, cliffhanger of sorts now this movie's from the that, that movie's from the late 90s but you know if, if there if there's hollywood is in talks of you know finally do sequels to movies that need sequels i think gerard butler given his age and stuff like that he'd be a good fit to to uh play the treat williams character and you know stephen summers maybe that's that's another actor you know like that or director Kind of like M. Night Shyamalan. I think the guy needs a, he needs a kickstart something, get his uh, mojo back, and go back to the well, if you will, and uh, make another good movie. And I think that's where he can get it. That's just my that's me wishful thinking. A sequel to Deep Rising, starring uh, Gerard Butler as the Treat Williams character. Tell you what, if you haven't seen the film Deep Rising, we'll definitely talk about it in a future episode. But with the whole Kong and and uh, Godzilla thing, I don't know that may work or may work not uh, for that film being made. That uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, I'll have to write some letters or text people. 
Lastly, if you ever thought Robocop, uh, you know, watching the original Robocop, Paul Verhoeven's Robocop, you were sitting there, you're watching it, and you're like, this is this has a lot of religious tones. I think Robocop is Jesus Christ. Uh, if that will worry your thoughts, um, you're right. Uh, at the Berlin uh, Film Festival, Paul Verhoeven, uh, who I guess he, he's done extensive research on Jesus Christ. I think he's like a born-again Christian or something. But he uh, he's, he talked about it. Yeah, that's right. Robocop is Jesus. If I had my choice, I would hang out with Robocop and not Neo. He's not even real. At least Robocop is. But in terms of how uh, Robocop is like Jesus Christ, well, uh, for those who have not seen the film, uh, do so. I don't want to spoil anything, but you got to see the original. So with uh, Robocop, or rather uh, Officer Murphy, Alex Murphy, portrayed by uh, Peter Weller, goes in there, gets shot to death, and he's like kind of like in a crucifix position when doing so. It's a pretty gory scene, but this is, this is like probably one of the best, the best action from the 80s. And uh, so, yeah, he gets killed and then revived or resurrected as Robocop, so... Those are basically what Paul Verhoeven uh, uses as his descriptions why Robocop, his Robocop, was an allegory for Christ. Uh, some of the things. And he, and he goes on. And the very last uh, random movie news is actually um, just a really cool thing. Go online and look up, uh, it, I think it's on Vimeo, but if you just Google The Dark Knight Visual Echoes. And I guess it was created by um, some kind of group called Glass Distortion. And it shows this really good comparison of um, Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight and the Michael Mann-directed film Heat. Because, you know, the whole thing about uh, Nolan's Batman uh, trilogy is that it's grounded, it's real world, and it's got some you know, a, a gritty crime thing going of sorts, or, and particularly um, The Dark Knight. And it's very, very good three-minute video uh, that shows these comparisons between Heat and The Dark Knight. So make sure to check that out. All right, let's talk about our topic of the episode. Uh, this episode's title is Dental Plan. And uh, so let's paint a picture for you. Uh, you're at the workplace and uh, you're just sitting around uh, discussing some uh, uh, current work with uh, your colleagues there, Veronica and Johnston. And uh, there, there happens to be a third party, though. Uh, we have a Doyle, who's like a summer intern. Uh, I don't know, he's doing some kind of uh, records management. I'm not sure why they took him on. But nonetheless, um, so Johnston, you know, um, he quickly mentions that how uh, he's like, oh, man, now I got my, my daughter. I just don't have to get braces. And... Uh, and Veronica, and then, well, that's, you know, you got your health benefits. And then uh, Doyle, he, he also he pipes up there and he's like, uh, oh, Lisa needs braces. And then Veronica quickly uh, uh, retorts there like, dental plan. And then they all start chuckling. And like, you're, you're there wondering, what? Um, and then the three, it doesn't stop there. And then they, they, they say, they start singing again. So we'll march day and night by the big cooling tower. They have the plant, but we have the power. So 
then and it doesn't stop there it doesn't stop then the manager happens to hear this and walk by and he's like now play classical gas and 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 then they all erupt laughing except you and you're kind of like just doing a forced laugh you gotta smile and just go with it and you're you're getting a little paranoid because because the manager got in, you know, with the final joke. Also, he knows everything going on. But Doyle, the the summer intern, you know, he's he's getting brownie points there, and that's not good. Um, last thing you need is that guy, you know, getting in permanently, and then next thing you know, he's a position hired kind of stuff. You know, so it's workplace politics. So um, in place. Um, so. What just happened was a, a um, is a complete recollection of a very famous episode of uh, The Simpsons titled, it is actually called uh, Last Exit to Springfield. And this episode is the 17th episode of The Simpsons' fourth season. So apparently it uh, originally aired on uh, March 11th, uh, 93. It, it was uh, an episode where... Um, Homer, he leads uh, the power plant or uh, into a union, uh, acts as a union lead. So he, they go on strike, basically, the the uh, plant employees. This episode is actually one of the most classic episodes of The Simpsons. And uh, it's like it's, it's one of these television episodes, not just of The Simpsons, of just TV in general, the last you know, 80s, 90s, uh, where it is just packed full of... Uh, references and lines that you know s- still are popular today. Like I haven't watched Simpsons uh, for at least 15 years. Um, the show is still on. I don't know who's still watching it to be honest, but um, I think it was after 2002, three, when Family Guy started to come on that uh, I didn't watch Simpsons uh, anymore. And I, you know, obviously without watching the show, I really have no clue if they got any more famous stories or or punchlines and such but this was uh kind of like if you think about saturday night live saturday night live uh, had its own golden era there with like uh, when they had uh mike myers danny carvey uh phil hartman and all that, those uh mid to late 80s uh, and uh to 95 i guess 96 um actors and adam sandler as well and uh chris farley that whole team so the Simpsons actually really, I think, hit its heyday um, up to about 2000, 2001, uh, where it pumped out episodes, just like, say, Seinfeld, where it pumped out episodes where it had these ongoing famous lines. And this is definitely one of the earlier episodes that I can recall. Um, you know, forget the little catchphrases like uh, dough or uh, eat my shorts kind of stuff uh, or do the Bart man. Um, this one actually, uh, this is, I think, definitely one of the earlier episodes that marked it having this historically ingrained now uh, catchphrases. So the episode goes where yes, they go on strike. Eventually, this is, uh, Mr. Burns, he, you know, sli- signs an agreement and stuff. But even leading up to that, they parody uh, Mr. Burns and uh, Smithers. Uh, they, they, they do the parody of The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, the famous end uh, little speech in uh, uh, the Dr. Seuss work there. Furthermore, you see, uh, you see Smithers and uh, Mr. Burns try to run the plant themselves, and they got this... There, there's just so many references made just in this episode. 
it's just a very well done episode. It's definitely one that cemented the, cemented the Simpsons as one of those uh, cultural commentators or pop culture commentators in itself. And uh, of course, the uh, now play cast, classical gas is, um, I think it's uh, said by Lenny. Recurring jokes, like it literally is an episode where you're laughing almost every minute, but you have to pay attention. You got the references, so much of what you, you can appreciate about a show, like say the fa- Family Guy, all those type of references uh, that were made um, in their earlier seasons. Uh, this is definitely uh, an episode where you kind of see the groundwork for not just coming up with clever phrases and stuff, um, but also with showing how, how many references they can do to pop culture. So in sum, next time you're at the workplace and uh, just this episode as a whole, there's actually a number of things you can use to gain that uh, popularity. So got say, a new co-worker who's got a quick, quick question on health benefits. The second you, got, you, you start touching on uh, dental benefits, say dental plan. Uh, like Lenny would uh, you know, dental plan you know, Lisa needs braces or you can ask why does Lisa needs braces and you know what sometimes at certain workplaces they do musical acts or something like that you got uh, little competitions also great opportunity to say now play Costco gas make sure to do it in front of other co-workers and obviously the boss if you do that you know you'll you'll get some uh, you know much deserved Always welcome um, uh, admiration and, you know, the, the quote-unquote brownie points that uh, uh, will come in handy at your next, um, whether it be your semi-annual or your annual evaluation. You always want to go in with, with a good attitude, a good reputation on those kinds of things. So this is just another little tidbit that will help you get there. Well, that is the show for this week. Uh, Thank you for listening. I invite you to chime in and share your thoughts on this episode. Can you provide an example of where a dental plan was a good opportunity for you? Uh, Make sure to leave your comment or questions for this podcast at soundcloud.com backslash Max the Jerk presents. (laughs) That said, thank you again. And remember, as my film studies professor liked to say, give it a chance. (laughs) 